The NGV forecourt exemplifies a privately managed public space. So you often see a car on display as part of an exhibition launch, as much as you might see an artist intervention. So one of the more recent artist actions uh, has been by the artist committee with their Artists Against Abuse Wilson Must Go campaign. Now Amy, you've been quite close to what happened with that project. Do you want to talk about it? Um, yeah, very vaguely. I've been kind of semi-connected to Artists Committee, but I was finishing my PhD, so not wholly involved. But I'm aware that they did a number of protests around um, the security contract that uh, NGV had, which was Wilson Security. As some of you might know, Wilson Security has been um, accused of like huge uh, human rights abuses on uh, Nauru and Manus Island, where they um, have been the contractor for the detention centres over there. So the artist committee got together and did a range of like um, sort of performative interventions at an NGV in order to highlight the fact that this, you know, it's untenable to be hiring these sorts of people given what we know about what they've done on um, offshore. So in 2017, Wilson Security was contracted by the NGV and over 1,500 people, um, artists, but also the public, signed a letter urging the contract to be cancelled. Um, and the artist committee's first intervention was called, um, where, where basically they went in there and guerrilla style shrouded Picasso's Weeping Women with, um, with a shroud that had Wilson Security's uh, logo on it. Um, and that was quite an effective thing because Picasso's painting actually talks about like anguish over you know human rights and that kind of stuff so and, and is actually uh, Picasso it's an extrapolation of one of the women one of the portraits in Guernica so it's quite a significant work talking about war yeah. and the atrocities that occur and so again like an artist intervention trying to show the missing content of like well you, you go in and appreciate this object of art but you're not willing to kind of see how this institution is complicit in uh, supporting people who've perpetuated human rights abuses uh, they also did another intervention which I was part of and they got uh, someone to play a cello um, using a piece of music that um, Baruz Bacardi, who's um, incarcerated on Manus Island, had written and, and then protesters kind of spiralled out with red, red ribbon and we managed to kind of shut down the front of the NGV for a couple of hours. So, and that was quite a beautiful, moving intervention with the, the music and, and everyone just being silent. And then... During the NGV Triennial, there was also a bunch of artists that renamed their works Wilson Must Go. So, like, very big name artists uh, like Candace Brights and uh, uh, Raphael Lozano Hemmer, which was an extraordinary thing. It got heaps of press, which was fantastic. And then also I was part of a picket during the NGV um, VIP preview. There was a bunch of us that actually, like, picketed the front of um, the NGV, and I've got some good stories about that. I can tell you one. There was a guy... So... This very rich philanthropist walked in and saw our picket and it was really strange because the Wilson security guys were actually like around us. They encouraged people to break our picket. So this guy comes along and he's like, I'm here to see refugee art because Candace Bright's work was all about um, migration and refugees. And he just started karate chopping the, um, the picketers and like was quite um, violent and pushed his way through. And yeah, it was extraordinary, but he was like, disregard the refugee protesters because he's here to consume refugee art. It was, it was pretty wild, yeah. And there were also the moat and the water wall. Was it turned red? Oh, yeah, tie? that's right. Yeah, there was, yeah they, dyed, they dyed this um, this fountain as well as the water wall uh, red and, and put Wilson security logos up as well. So they're very much about doing very kind of like visual 
um, performative actions in order to kind of highlight certain things that are being um, disregarded. And um, I mean, they were effective in the end because in March 2018, the contract between NGV and Wilson, Wilson Security did end. So, uh, you know, all these, all these artistic interventions are all about reputational damage and I think it works. So. So we can talk now about an earlier artist intervention that also happened um, on the forecourt space in front of NGV. Uh, and this again is our friend from the Pathfinders, CDH, uh, with uh, 19 other graffiti artists uh, who left a collaborative artwork called Trojan at the entry of NGV, which was then exhibited. So NGV ended up kind of co-opting this unauthorised work and then displayed it in the foyer of the NGV. Yeah, um, yeah, and that was for five days. I mean, again, it's like this kind of cheeky, like uh, forcing the institution to make a decision about whether they they accept this intervention or not. And um, CDH describes it as like um, calling for the right of unsolicited street art to be recognised as art, not vandalism, and acknowledging that Melbourne is one of the best street art cities in the world with one of the most oppressive penalties for graffiti. And he says, um, in a quote, a society's tolerance of graffiti also reflects its generosity and freedom for cultural dissent. Without the community ethos from which street art is derived, we're left with an oppressive, culturally vapid void space like Docklands, a ghost town populated with the checkbook art. So yeah, I love these sorts of cheeky ways of sort of highlighting, you know, what the city supports and what it doesn't support and what institutionally people are prepared to take care of. But you know, they had the Trojan horse in there for five days and then, you know, off you go, leave, have it back. <laughs> and it might be uh, a good point to just quickly talk about street art in relation to City of Melbourne. Uh, so going back to 2016, the City of Melbourne's annual graffiti removal budget was about $1 million. And that was twice the budget that we had at Public Art Melbourne to commission public art. And I suppose what's interesting to think here is through the removal of work, the City of Melbourne was reverse curating the city. And that decision-making process happened based on the advertising laws. And if you see the advertising laws or people calling and saying, I don't want this piece of street art or graffiti on this wall. While that is one aspect, on the flip side, increasingly the City of Melbourne has also been, I suppose, again, co-opting street art as a tool for graffiti prevention and also for placemaking. Uh, so with initiatives like the Greening Laneways Program, so this is a program where they couldn't quite fit a tree into the laneway, so instead they painted uh, a street art piece of a lovely green lush laneway which was a way of kind of creating placemaking and you will notice these around the city so next time you see a piece of street art that's lush and green you know that's come from the greening laneways it's program a sanctioned city project yeah yeah, yeah approved tick. Yeah. tick it's probably covered with anti-graffiti um surface yeah and that's the irony is that then it's then layered and coated with this graffiti coat so that then can be sprayed by Calcorp, who is City of Melbourne's graffiti management team.